0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GBC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple, to love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. It's super hot. I know they had the heat on in here today, and I said, keep it down low and I think it climbed up, so it's kind of sticky and hot in here, isn't it? We'll crank, the, we'll crank the air up for you. Listen, we'll have some icicles hanging from your nose before you get out of here. That's <laughs> Woo! <clears throat> Amen. Well, you ready to jump into this tonight? I'm telling you, it's been a joy and just been exciting to be able to teach some of these things. And uh, one of the greatest joys for me as a pastor is when I hear individuals say, You know what? I've been in church all my life. And I'm learning some stuff. There's things that I've never heard before or I've never saw the scripture or somebody's never explained it that way. And so when I hear people say, man, I'm learning something, that does, that does tickles me because it's like man come on we're never too young to learn never too old to learn and so God's got some awesome things for us tonight so if we can I just want to for a couple minutes just review a little bit just to get you up to snuff get you all on the same page because tonight where we're headed I just know that this is going to just stretch you and it's going to cause you to just really stretch on the inside and I love it when we do that because again it's like wow God, you're so awesome in your plan and what you do for us. And so if you recall, we've been talking about the authority that God has given to the believer or to the follower of Christ. But we began to really investigate that and looked at creation as to how God made man. And when we look in Genesis, the Bible says that God made man in his image and made him in his likeness. So when we look at the Scripture and really dig out and define that, what it really is telling us and what the Hebrew uh, text tells us is that God made us not only in His image, but to act like Him, think like Him, and operate like Him. And then God says something very significant to man. He says, now, have dominion and subdue it. So that word dominion means have authority. And then that word subdue means to conquer. And so to conquer means that God's telling us there is something that is going to challenge the authority that I've placed in your life. Therefore, intend to conquer or subdue that which would try to oppose you. Why? Because there's something that God gave us and there's something that is trying to take it away from us. Now, in light of how God made man, remember we said that God formed man out of the dust of the ground. So he spit in the ground, made one big bucket of mud, and formed us. And here we are, just this body laying there. It was lifeless. It was the shell of a man. But then the Bible says that God breathed or spoke into man. And when God breathed into man, man became a living being. And so really the Scripture tells us that what God did was He breathed the very nature of Himself into man. And therefore, man became a living spirit that was inside of a physical body. So the body was just the shell until God placed within that body the spirit of a man. So the real you is spirit. And you possess a body. Are you, are you tracking with me? All right. And so therefore God made us a living spirit. And if you recall, we said one of the most significant things about you and I as children of God and as that which God made us is that not only are we a spirit, but we are a speaking spirit. When you look at all of God's creation, the only part of God's creation that talks or has the vocabulary is His man. He said, I made you to be like me. And the way that God made creation was God used His faith and He spoke or said, let there be. And God said, I made you to be like me. So the significance of man is that you and I are able to articulate and use our authority, and it's transferred and conferred by words. Now, just to kind of uh, uh, take a side note on that, this entire world is governed by words. It's a it's a globe that is orchestrated and governed by words. Our nation is governed by words. There's a document that they put together, and it's assembled by words that lay out the structure and the foundation and the system by which our nation operates, right? And we adhere to and hold to the assembling of those words together. How many of you have ever bought a car? You bought a house? There was a time in many moons ago where you could go to the bank and you could say, you know, I want to buy a house. And they would shake your hand and they would say, based on your word, We're going to give you the loan for your house. That was many, many, many moons ago. Now, if you've bought in a car or bought a house, I mean, you've got a 50-page document contract filled front to back, side to side with words. What are those words? Those words are binding. They're an agreement that govern and hold you accountable to the words that you're agreeing to. Come on, are you seeing the power of words? If you were to stand before a judge today, and it was based upon the evidence, and maybe there was the lack thereof, but the judge sits in the office of the judge or in the judicial system, try to say that five times, right? He stands in the office or sits in that seat of a judge and based upon the words that he declares or decrees, determines your future. You're guilty or innocent. You're free or you go to prison. And it's based upon words. So once again, I'm trying to emphasize the power of our words. God made us in His image and likeness. And this whole system by which we live is functioned by, governed by words that carry weight. And for us as His men and women, our words carry our authority. Amen? Now, to give you some more examples in regards to that, just to show us the example of Jesus. Jesus was the living embodiment of God's will on the earth. Jesus was the will of God in action, right? Now, do you recall that there came a time when Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy? And the Bible says that every time the enemy tempted him, Jesus responded by saying, It is written. So not only did he speak words, he spoke the word, and by the word which he spoke, it trumped the temptation of the enemy. Now, if we're not careful or if we just breeze over things, we miss the very subtle points of the power of what Jesus came to do. And in the temptations of Jesus is a clue or a very huge point by which jesus came to do for us as believers do you recall that the bible says that jesus was tempted so in being tempted you have to understand that in order to be presented with a temptation you have to be tempted by the temptation does that make sense because here's what we do we often say well jesus was jesus he could never be tempted You know, Jesus or the the devil was just wasting his time. Why did he even try to tempt him? Listen, you don't present a temptation or you're not affected by a temptation unless you're tempted. So what was it that Jesus was tempted by? First of all, the Bible says that he had been fasting 40 days and nights. And the devil said to him, he says, now you're really hungry. Turn these rocks into stone. So he was appealing to the natural side, the man's side of Jesus, right? So was it a temptation? Come on, you go 40 days and nights without eating. You tell me whether you're hungry or not. It would be a temptation. But notice this next phrase. In Luke's gospel, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, And the devil said to him, All authority, is w- uh, all authority I will give you. Or excuse me, he says, and the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I wish. That was the second part of the temptation. Well, can the devil give anything that he don't have? No. Once again, it wouldn't be a temptation if he didn't have it to give. But why was it a temptation for Jesus? Because the primary reason why Jesus was coming was not only to save us from sin, but to restore man back to his rightful position of having authority. That was why he was going to the cross. And therefore, the temptation, I've been given authority. How did he get it? When Adam and Eve fell. He says, I've now got the authority and I can give it to whoever I want. Well, that was by and large what Jesus was coming to do. So Jesus was tempted saying, hmm, that means I wouldn't have to go to the cross because going to the cross is what enables me to reinstate authority. So do you see how it was a temptation? But how did he overcome the temptation once again? He spoke words. We see in Mark's gospel that he spoke to the fig tree. He said, I curse you, you won't bear fruit again to any man. And the next day the Bible says that it was dead. He spoke to the storms. He said, peace, be still. We see that Jesus enacted his authority by speaking words. Amen? And Jesus is the living example and prototype of, of who you and I are supposed to be, all right? So I want to bring back to your attention one last thing before we move on. If you recall, when we first started this teaching, if you will, we began by sharing Ephesians chapter 1, and it's the the prayers of the Apostle Paul. And he says, first of all, I pray that you would have wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. And then he goes on to say that there is this power that raised Christ from the dead. And he says, it's to us-ward. word. is a power that is given towards us as believers. Then it goes on to say, it says, and Jesus was seated... In heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, it says that all things were put under his feet, and he gave all things to the church, which is the fullness of him. He is the head, and we are the body. Again, Ephesians chapter 1, starting in, I think, verse 16 through 21. So he says, I've been placed at the right hand of the Father. The right hand of the throne signifies authority. Right? Now, it just goes on to say, or just reasoning, if he's the head, we're the body, you can't separate the two. I'm looking at you all right now, and you've got your head sitting on your bodies. It's a package deal, right? You can't separate them. So, therefore, if Jesus is seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, then doesn't it stand to reason that we are as well? Yeah. Certainly so. But then it isn't just left to reason that out. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it goes on to say that he raised us up together and seated us together with him in heavenly places. Not as though we're going to, as one day it's going to happen. As we are Christians, have received Christ into our life, we have then taken our seat with Christ at the right hand of the Father. Therefore, if it's a place of authority for Jesus, it's a place of authority for you and me. All right, you tracking with me? So that gets us up to speed as to where we're at today. So today what I want to look at is the man side of Jesus. If you recall, we said this, that when God made man, he first formed the ground, made the flesh and body, And put a living spirit in him. But the Bible tells us that Jesus was already a living spirit. Now in order for him to be able to come into earth. He had to become a man. So God enacted or enabled it for Jesus a living spirit through the virgin birth. To find or come into this earth through a physical body. Now, why is that significant? Now, we've talked about this before. But just to clarify as to why that is so powerful and so significant, we we sing about the virgin birth. You know, we, we talk about the Christmas story as though it was this miraculous thing. It was miraculous, but once again, there was significance as to why it had to be a virgin birth. Because when a man and a woman come together and make a baby... The blood of every human being comes from the seed of the Father. Now, God could not come into the earth of his own doing because he lost the right to intervene in this earth because the Bible says that now Satan has become the god of this world. 2 Corinthians 4.4 So he had to come in the form of a man, but the only way that he could do it is to be a perfect man to where the blood wasn't tainted by sin. So that means the way that Jesus was entering into the earth had to be the same way that Adam entered the earth being free from sin. Are you tracking? And just that magnificent story of... Jesus, I mean, we, we hear all these different things, but when we start to put them together, it's like, oh my gosh, now it makes sense. That's why he had to do it that way. Because Jesus had to be the perfect sacrifice, and that's why his blood is so precious, because it never was tainted by sin. All right? Tracking? So let's look at the man's side of Jesus. Philippians Chapter 2, starting in verse 6. It says, Who being in the form of God... Let me read that again so you hear it. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So this is speaking of Jesus. He says, now, who came in the form of God? Who being in the form of God? You mean Jesus, the Son of God? No, Jesus, the man. Because he says, being in the form of God, then it starts to list this. He made himself in no reputation. He he took on the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of man. Isn't that interesting? It identifies the man side of Jesus, but it starts that verse out by saying, Being in the form of God. I thought he was a man then. That's right. But do you remember how God made man at the very beginning? God made man in his image and his likeness. So God is identifying the man side of Jesus as being like he originally made man to be. Are you tracking? Amen. And so when we begin to look at the Scriptures, we begin to find out something very significant about the man side of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, Jesus says this. When Jesus came into the region of uh, Caesarea and Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I... Now, you've got to pay attention to these next words. Who do men say that I, the Son of of man am they go on to say well some say that you're a prophet some say that you're elijah some say that you're the messiah but do you see what jesus referred to himself as he did not ask his disciples who do men say that the son of god is he said who do people say that the son of man is Everywhere in the Scriptures, in the Gospels where Jesus speaks of himself, he never, ever refers to himself as the Son of God, but always as the Son of Man. He never says, I'm the Son of God. No, he always says, I'm the Son of Man. He never identified himself with the deity side of who he was. He always identified with the man side. Amen? When he went to the cross, he said, I'm the son of man. When he rose from the dead, he said, I'm the son of man. He never, ever referred to himself as the son of God. Why is that? Because we just read in that scripture that Jesus took on the form of a bondservant. He laid down his deity. And he came as a man. Everything that Jesus did on this earth. Now this is where our religion messes with us. Everything that Jesus did, he did not do as the Son of God. He did as the Son of Man. Did you hear that? Never do we ever see Jesus saying, Okay, boys, listen, I told you to go heal the sick. He said, Now, now don't do this one. This one is a deity trick. If you try this one, it will blow your head off. Now, only I can perform this miracle. We don't see Jesus doing that. Why? Because he came as a man. We'll have people that will say, and you've heard this before, that all the things that Jesus did, Jesus did them to prove his deity. And that is absolutely false because never once did Jesus draw attention to the fact that he was the son of God. He always said, I'm a man. And if that was so, then the scripture that we find or see concerning the woman with the issue of blood messes everything up. Do you remember the story about the woman with the issue of blood? Where the Bible says she was hearing about Jesus. And she says, boy, if I can just get where Jesus is, if I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. And she gets to the point where she gets up, she finds Jesus, she touches him, and he says, man, I just felt something leave my body. He says, who touched me? And finally she fell down and said, it was me. And she told all the things that was happening. So number one, if he was the son of God, then why did he not know who it was that touched him in the first place? But number two... If what Jesus did and the miracles that we see, if it was done specifically and exclusively to prove the deity of who Jesus was, then that means that Jesus would have to be an equal part participant in knowing of the miracle that was getting ready to take place. And when that woman touched him, it was her faith that caused her miracle to happen, not because of it was his knowledge. Come on, are you tracking with me? Jesus was 100% man. I thought he was God. He's 100% God, but he's 100% man. And everything that he did on this earth, he did as a man, anointed by God. Amen? Is this messing with your head yet? (laughs) So, how did Jesus do what he did As a man. I'm seeing some of your faces. And it's really making me laugh internally. Because I can see your religion all over your face. And saying this does not go with what I've been taught. Okay. How did Jesus do it as a man? Remember what we said about how Jesus was born into this earth? See man got us into the problem. And the only way that the sin problem could be fixed was through the avenue of a man. Why? Because once again, God couldn't do anything in the earth because the earth belonged to the devil. All right? So when man was born out of not the seed of a man, but from the bloodline of God, that allowed him to enter this earth as a physical man with pure blood, not tainted by sin, which puts him in the same exact position as Adam was at the very beginning of creation. Therefore, because he functioned and operated under the Adamic covenant, that's how he could operate in the authority that he had. Are you tracking? He speaks to the storm. The storm's listen. He prays for the sick, and they're well. Is it because he's God? No, it's because He's operating as man the way that God made Adam in the first place. But see, that's what Jesus came to do was to restore that authority back to every man that would receive him as Christ and his Lord. Amen. Are you tracking? All right. So once again, he's functioning as a man under the Adamic covenant that Adam had. With God at the very beginning. Now notice this. In Romans chapter 5 verse 17. For if by one man's offense. Remember I said if man got us into it. Man's got to get us out of it. For if by one man's offense. Death reigned through the one. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness. Will reign in this life as kings. Through the one. Jesus Christ. So once again, man got us into it, Jesus got us out of it. And he restored. Remember we said that the translation, reigning in life, the one translation says, reigning in life as kings. And again, that's where the scripture comes from. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Who are the kings? Who are the lords? You and me. Those that have been restored back to our place with God. All right, so... In Philippians chapter 2, we read this before, but let's take it a little bit further. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Let me read that again. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In the likeness of men, he said we originally, or he made Jesus. But he also said when he first made man, he made man in the image and the likeness of him. And it says that Jesus being in this state did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now what does that mean? That means that we are in the same playing field or Jesus was in the same playing field as God was. I made you to be like me. It didn't say equal to God, but equal with God. Does that make sense? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Love has be- been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness. Notice that word. That we would have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. Let me read that again. That's not my translation. That's your Bible saying that. It says, we can have boldness. Why? Because as Jesus is. As He is. As he is, where is he and how is he? Seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all principalities and power, the enemies underneath of his feet. And so as he is, so are we, where? In the world. This world. Amen? Are you starting to see you a little bit different than what you saw yourself before? Are you starting to understand how God has seen you and positioned you? And if I begin to see myself correctly, I don't have to let life steamroll me, walk all over me, just lay down and let the enemy do whatever he wants to do because I have been given authority. In fact, for that matter, he's not a monkey on my back. The Bible says he's under my feet. Man, sometimes you just got to learn how to dance or just dance ugly sometimes. Devil, you're just stomping on your head right now. Reminding yourself of who you are and what Jesus came to do to restore you. It's the reality of who, who you are. God made you to be just like Jesus. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 10. Remember, we just read the verse. As he is, so are we in the world. In Acts chapter 10, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Once again, it signifies that Jesus had authority over the enemy. But did you catch the first part? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. What's that signify? He's identifying the man, the natural man. He anointed Jesus, the man of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The Bible tells us, Paul tells us in the epistle, says, we all, you, have an anointing. What's that anointing? To act like Jesus I said to act like Jesus, to go about doing good and ministering to those that are just beaten up by the enemy. Why? Because as he is, so are we in the earth. What if we practice the reality of who we are? I said, what if we would truly practice the reality of who we are? i got to be honest with you, I get these opportunities regularly, and I'm not really good at all the time responding the way that I should. And I'm just going to tell off on myself. It seems like I tell off on myself more than I should because, you know, it's like, I'm, God, I need to start listening more. I was in Kroger's the other day in just down the road here. Where are we at? Just down the road over here. And as I'm checking out, maybe it was in Flushing. I can't remember. It was Kroger's, one of the two. In Flushing? Bad experience? <laughs> well, there was, there was the lady that was checking me out, and there was a man that was behind me, and she's checking me out and got my groceries, and as she grabbed my groceries, she goes, oh, and went about her business. And I finally said to her, I said, is something going on with your wrist? And there was a prompting on the inside. I went as far as asking her, what's going on? And she proceeded to tell me and I looked behind me and saw these people, you know, a row of people laying behind me. And I'm like, oh, I got people waiting in line for me. And I'll take the time to pray for this lady. Uh, I don't want to inconvenience these people. (laughs) See how stupid it is? I had a perfect opportunity to practice reality. What would I do? Be all weirded, you know, act weird by praying for the lady? No, just... I pray for you I mean think about it you think well what if nothing happened what if something did happen what if I practiced reality and truly believed that when I prayed when God stood behind and backed up Jesus that God would back me up just like he did Jesus and if I prayed for her all of a sudden the power of God hit her and she's like wow I mean we might have a new convert that comes to GVC just because I practiced the reality of really who God has made me to be amen and how many of you know that there's all kinds of hurting people that need a real Jesus in their life? But we've gotten so religious and come and sing our songs and go home being the same that we've always been. But God's wanting to get us out of our comfort comfort zone and realize who we are. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. What time we got here? All right. I told you that God wants us to be like Jesus. Now, I'm going to stretch your thinking right now, but I want you to understand what I'm getting ready to say. I'm going to read this to you here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 6. It says, But that you may know, now notice these words, but that you may know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins then he said to the paralytic, Arise, up your, uh, take up your bed, and go to your house, that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sin. I'm going to show you that I got that power. I'm going to heal this guy right here. Does Jesus have the power to forgive sin? How about you? You got the power to forgive sin? Now, immediately, see, our religious bone would say, well, only Jesus has the ability to forgive sin. All right, let's look at the Scripture. Do you remember Stephen? Stephen was getting ready to be stoned. They're getting ready to kill him. And before he's stoned, here's what he cries out. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Don't hold this charge against them. That's Stephen. A man. Now, let me put that in in a context from a personal experience. This is something that I had to deal with personally. You realize that people have the opportunity to offend you and hurt you, right? Well, just try pastoring for a while. You have all kinds of opportunities, you know, to have that happen. Well, I had that happen in church life one time. And somebody... Had it hurt me and, and, and hurt the church to some degree. And man, I just got mad. And so I just, I'm talking to the Lord and I'm saying, God, I, you know, that person never stepped foot in this church again. I, ref- I mean, I'll kick him out, carry him out by his ear. I mean, there's no way he's ever going to come in this church again. And the Lord said to me, he says, well, it doesn't sound like you're walking in love. It doesn't sound like you're walking in forgiveness. And I'm like, all right, God. I choose to forgive him right now. I choose to forgive him, but now he'll never come back in this church again. But I choose to forgive him. But you know, your word says, God, that whatever a man sows, that shall he, shall he also reap. So he sowed some bad junk in our church, so he's going to reap it. I'll forgive him, but he's going to reap it, God. Make sure that he does. And the Lord said to me, he said, well, do you know how I forgive? He says, when I forgive, I forget. And I don't remember it no more. He said, so if you truly forgave, then you're going to have to forget that which he did to you and release them. And so I said, now, does the scripture say, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap? That is a biblical principle. You do something, believe me, it's going to return. So I said, okay, God, I choose to forgive. I choose to walk in love And because he's got bad seed sown that's coming back to his life, I choose to release him from all of the things that he has coming back to him. I release him now in Jesus' name. The slate is clean. You see, I had the power to forgive sin. Stephen had the ability to forgive sin. Why is it that you have the ability? Because just as Jesus said... As the Son of Man, you've got power to forgive sin. Do you have the ability to forgive them for sins that will keep them from or keep them or or, or get them into heaven? No, that's their own personal salvation. I'm talking about sins committed against you. Do you see the power of that? I mean, again, if we just kind of breeze over that, oh, whatever. No, listen. If you sow seed, if you sow bad junk, believe me, you're going to reap a harvest of it. But I chose to forgive. Let's put it this way. How many of us in this room are allowing things that had happened to us in the past, a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, thirty years ago, that are still impacting your life because you hold on to the offense and it de- It dictates and determines how you think, how you act, how you feel, and how you interact with people because of what was done to you. What do you think it would do is if you chose to release them of the sin that has held you hostage for the last however long. It has the power to free you and free them in just the choice to forgive sin. Amen? Amen? See how significant God made you? The authority that you have? And again, it's conferred and transferred through words. All right, you ready to go just a little bit deeper? We'll wrap it up with this final thought here. In Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 6, it says, But one testified... In a certain place saying, what is man? Everybody say man. Man. So he's talking about you and me. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have set him over the works of your hands. There's the authority that God gave us at the beginning. Verse 8, you have put all things in subjection under his feet. Talking about the enemy, what Jesus did, we see in Ephesians chapter 1. For in that, he put all things in subjection under him, because he's the head. He left nothing that is put under him. But now we do not yet see all the things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Now, did you notice that when it spoke of man and it spoke of Jesus, it said in both scenarios, he made man and made Jesus a little lower than the angels. And when he made them a little lower than the angels, he crowned them both with honor and glory, both man and Jesus. Did you see that? Now, here's the awesome thing. That word angel in the Greek is actually translated as Elohim. So in other words, when the writer wrote this, they thought it was too difficult to actually write what it said. The Greek says Elohim. The English translator said, we're not going there. What we'll does say? Angel. Do you know what Elohim is translated as? God. God made man a little lower than himself. Then he goes on to speak to Jesus. And God made Jesus a little lower than himself. Why? Why? Because just as Jesus is, so are we. He seated Jesus at the right hand of the Father of authority. And that's where we sit as well. So Jesus and you and me are on the same playing field. The authority that Jesus had is the authority that we have. And God looks at you and me and Jesus in the same light. Furthermore, the devil looks at you and sees Jesus. But he's banked on it for so long, if I can just get the church fighting over this doctrine, fighting over religion, they'll never know the authority that they have. We'll get them fighting over denomination. We'll get them fighting over uh, uh Pre-trib, post-trib, whatever else. We'll get them fighting about this and fighting about that, and they'll fight so much that they'll forget about and not understand who Jesus came and what he came to do to make them have the authority in this life. And will cause the church to be ineffective. But we have authority. Amen. Last verse. John chapter 14, verse 12. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, if anyone steadfast believes in me, he will himself be able to do the things that I do and he will do even greater things than these because I go to my Father. How many of you know Jesus did some pretty amazing things? Jesus himself said, the things that I do, if you believe in me, you can do them. In fact... You can do greater things. You know, one of the greatest things that you can do that Jesus never did do is lead somebody to salvation. Jesus paid for salvation, but you and I are the only ones that can actually build the family of God. <laughs> Amen. You and I. He said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. We're doing greater things than what Jesus himself did when we lead somebody back to the family of God amen amen did you get anything out of tonight is your brain on overload (laughs) all right we'll stop there and let you process that a little bit all right just shout out at me give me a couple things anything that just stood out something that you learned tonight